being here. Some of you are wondering, why am I up here talking today and the pastor is seated? And I'd like to explain why. We, as an elder board, believe that it's really important for our pastor to take a break and to go on vacation. And actually, our pastor and his uh, wife and wonderful kiddos were scheduled to be out of town today. And I think they went to go see the Astros play baseball. Is that right, Charlie? Did you see a guy by the name of Ryan Goins hit a home run? He did. He plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yep, his mom's my chief of staff at work. And she wanted you to know that he did that just for all of his Texas friends so they could see him hit a home run. Um, But the pastor was supposed to be out of town today, right? And we as elders said, hey, this is our first day in our new space. We really think you need to be here. And so pastor was here today outside greeting. He couldn't do nothing. You saw him up in the worship uh, team. And uh, that's our pastor and his wife. Uh, Just such a, a blessing for our church. So I'm just a lowly substitute. And if you're here today and you're a guest for the first time, you're wondering, will this get better? I have great news for you. The answer is yes. Starting next Sunday, it will get amazingly better. Isn't it neat to be in a new place in a new space? Isn't it exciting? I have to tell you, as elders, we have been praying for this for a long time. And the possibilities uh, that were before us, we were just, I have to tell you, we were just kind of giddy, right? We were really excited. And so when this space opened and we had a chance to come in here and use it on Sundays, um, by the way, how many of you have done load in and load out before for River Rock Bible Church? Raise your hands. How many of you hold your hands up that have your hands up or bitter that you're not going to have to be here every Sunday two hours early just to do that? Anybody bitter about that? Okay, see? It's funny how the Lord moves, isn't it? So, uh, we're excited about being here. I have to tell you, it's pretty joyful to hear the voices of the kids out there. And by the way, if you ever have a chance to serve in our children's ministry, I really want to encourage you to do it. it uh, a few weeks ago, I had a chance to, to serve at, uh, was it Ford we were at? What's the elementary school? McCoy, I apologize. I ju- what I remember is that the worship and message went long. And at like 11, 12, we're in there with people this tall. And there were like 11 of them, and I was exhausted. I mean, those little guys just, they, they, they just go, go, go. But you know what was pretty neat, though? What we talk about in here about the Lord and about Christ, our kids are hearing those same things back in our classrooms. That's amazing, right? And so if you ever have an opportunity to serve back there, I would encourage you to do it. I would tell you it's not my skill set, Stephen, little people, um, but it's an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of kids. What I'm most excited about our new space, and this is really trivial, so forgive this old guy for this, but back here in the back area, there's adjoining bathrooms where the teachers can take the kiddos to the bathroom right there near them instead of having to walk out and walk around the hallway. Kind of a trivial thing, but pretty cool, isn't it? Right? So what's today about? Um, One thing I will promise you is I will be done by 11, because I know that there are a lot of children's workers out there who will be stressed and complaining if I'm not. So I'm going to try to do that. Um, Plus, I'm not nearly as good as Charlie, and I can't talk that long. But I was thinking about moving over here. uh, When you're moving on, 
there are some things when you move to a new place that you kind of have to reflect on, right? And I was thinking about what are some things in my life that I've been kind of tugging and carrying along with me and some things perhaps personally I need to deal with. And I came up with a list of a lot of things, um, but the one thing that stuck out the most to me, Greg, is that when you move on in life, you've got to be willing to forgive. Because if you can't forgive others, how are you ever going to move forward? So I was thinking we're moving into a new space. What would be appropriate for all of us today? And maybe this has absolutely nothing to do with you, and maybe it has everything to do with me. So please forgive me uh, if this is um, about Bill and my inability or my abilities to forgive others uh, in my life. So I want to talk about forgiveness for a little bit. We're going to look at some scripture here in a second. But how do you know if you've truly forgiven someone that has hurt you? And so I've just written some kind of exploratory questions that won't be up on the screen, but it, it may help answer the question if you've uh, been able or unable to forgive others. If you say something like this, I forgive the person, but I will let God deal with them. If you want God's judgment and God's punishment for them, you probably have not forgiven them. Would you agree? Or maybe if you've said something like this, well, I forgive the person, but I won't, when I see them, I won't ever talk to them again. Now, is that forgiveness? I wonder how it would be if God forgave us and he chose to avoid us and never talk to us again. That would be pretty lonely, wouldn't it? Right? So maybe forgiveness is something you're thinking about or struggling with and it's just uh, something that's on you today um, as we have this conversation. Maybe when you ask this question, would you fully forgive a person? Do you replace that anger with pity um, for them. And I was trying to figure out how do you know when you've forgiven someone? Is that a good question? And I don't know about you guys. I'm a little older. Uh, I'm in the fall of my life. I remember when I was in the spring of my life and it was so big and grand and great. But I'm in the fall of my life. Now I'm not falling down yet, so don't push me out the door too far. But I'm in the fall of my life. And I was trying to come up with, how do you know when you have forgiven someone? I believe you know that you've forgiven someone when you feel a sense of release from that, from them, and even on occasion, a sense of pity for them. But if you can't feel that yet, then maybe you haven't forgiven them. So I want to talk about two things, what forgiveness is not, then we're going to talk about what forgiveness is, and then we're going to look at the scripture for today. But before we do that, could we pray together? And could I ask you to repeat this prayer after me? Would you please? Dear Jesus, today open my heart. Help me to look at myself Help me to forgive myself. Help me to forgive others. And thank you for your forgiveness of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about what forgiveness is not, right? Can we do that? So first of all, forgiveness is not a compromise of our morality, right? 
Forgiveness is not a compromise of our, our reality. Don't ever think that God would confuse moral clarity and moral responsibility with grace and forgiveness. God's justice ensures that murderers will not get away with murder and that child molesters will not get away with molesting children. The point that I'm trying to make is that when you forgive someone, you don't have to compromise your moral beliefs. Does that make sense? We may forgive someone for their actions, but yet there in America is a judicial system. I have some knowledge of that. There's a judicial system where we hold people accountable for their actions. But don't ever confuse forgiveness with compromising uh, your morality. You don't have to compromise your morality to forgive others. Now, here's another thought I wrote, and this may be a little more personal for me than for you, but forgiveness is not merely the avoidance of conflict. There's a lot of us who don't like conflict. How many of you don't like conflict? Don't raise your hand. You just don't like conflict. You don't deal with conflict. You don't want conflict. You don't appreciate conflict. And when you see conflict, you run from it like it's a plague. Anybody with me on that? All right. By the way, if you run to conflict, that may be a different sermon for next week that pastor can talk to you about. But avoiding conflict, listen to this. There are a lot of us who like to avoid conflict. And since we don't want to have hard feelings or harsh words with someone else, we skirt around the issue of conflict and we avoid others. Forgiveness is not merely the avoidance of conflict. By the way, it's profoundly interesting to me that we will avoid conflict with people, but yet we will hang on to that forgiveness, and we won't let go, and we will hold that against them. But in reality, the problem is we're trying to avoid conflict instead of dealing with the problem. Years ago, growing up, I used to watch a black-and-white TV show, Uh, on something called rabbit ears. And then in my lifetime, this phenomenal thing came in called color television. Now, some of you may not be aware of what that is, but before we had the fancy color television, everything was in black and white. Anybody in the fall of your life remember those days? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I remember watching Andy Griffith, just about the one of the best, well, that and the Waltons. I mean, just some really good, wholesome television. And I love Barney Fife. And one of his favorite quotes, and he was a character in Andy Griffith, but one of his favorite quotes was, Andy, you need to nip it and nip it in the bud. You need to nip it, nip it in the bud, nip it now. Well, there's some truth to that. In forgiveness, sometimes we avoid conflict and we hang on to the ability or inability to forgive when we could have nipped it in the bud with the few kind words to deal with it, right? So that's forgiveness is not a compromise of your moral beliefs. Forgiveness is not merely the avoidance of conflict. Let me tell you what I believe forgiveness is, then we want to look at God's word more importantly that expressly talks about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a release. To forgive means to choose someone whom you have been holding in your debt, somebody you're holding on to, something you're holding on to, something they did wrong that you're holding on to. To forgive means to choose someone whom you have been holding in your debt and holding in resentment and bitterness and releasing him or her from that debt. 
That's what forgiveness is. It's to release someone of that debt that you believe they have against you. So let's look at God's word and what he says about forgiveness. Isn't it amazing that we expect unconditional forgiveness from God, but boy, we find that difficult to give to others, right? We want, demand his grace, but it's hard for us to provide that grace for other people. Or maybe you're a better person than me, but sometimes it's hard to provide that grace, right? So if you have a Bible today, whether it's on your iPhone or whether you have a paperback version, if you would open up to um, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. I have an NIV Bible. I believe we have it in a different version, and I'm going to read it from the screen. So when I get there, Christy, you guys just keep rolling with it. And if I miss it, then pause. Are you with me? And the scripture says this, And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, if I'm Peter, this is Bill's commentary here. If my brother sinned against me, I'm not going to throw out to the Lord the number seven. I'm thinking if you forgive him once or twice, that's good enough, right? But how many times do you have to forgive your brother? Peter, being more Christ-like than me, says forgive seven times. And then the Lord says this, and this is why I like my paper version, because it puts it in red, and that means Jesus said it, right? Jesus said, I tell you, Not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but 70 times. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven came to be compared to a king who wanted to settle the accounts of his slaves. And when he began to settle the account, the one who owed 10,000 talents, or about a million dollars, the one who owed about 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he had no way to pay it back, the master commanded Uh, that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt off. And at this, the slave fell on his face before him and said, Be patient with me. I will pay you everything that I owe you. And then the master of the slave had compassion. He released him. I like that word. He released him. He forgave him. He released him and he forgave him the loan. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarius, which is about $20. He grabbed the man, he started choking in him. He said, hey, pay you what you owe me, pay me. And at this, his fellow slave fell down and he began to beg him. And he said, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing And on the contrary, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what he owed. And when the other slaves saw uh, what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and they went and they reported it to the master, everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow slave as I had had on you? And his master got angry and he handed him over to the jailer until he could pay everything that he owed. And so my heavenly father will also do the same to you um, if each of you does not forgive his brother. 
in his heart. We want unconditional grace and forgiveness from God. But God wants us to exhibit that to others. Gosh, that's difficult, isn't it? And I don't know about you and what your world is, and I just want to be able to say I sat in the pastor's chair. But is there somebody at work that you've been unable to forgive? Is there a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent and the struggle's gone on for generations and you can't forgive them? You, you, you just you can't release them? You just want to hang on to that? Is there somebody at church that you can't forgive? And by the way, the reason I wanted to have the conversation about forgiveness, it's not because of any affairs within our church. I just know this, that we're at a new place and we're moving on to a new place and we can't go forward until we resolve some problems perhaps we might have with the past within us before we can move forward, right? Maybe the forgiveness you're struggling with is with that ex-wife or that ex-husband. Maybe the forgiveness you struggle with is because of how you were treated and how wrong it was. How do you release somebody from that? How do you forgive? Well, so how does forgiveness work, right? It's not a simple thing, is it? Has anybody figured out a simple way on how to forgive others? You know, JT, the the problem that I have with forgiveness is I may forgive others, but I can't forget what they do. And the problem when I offend people, because I do, we all do, and they forgive us for that, they can't always forget what we do. I I wished, um, when I perform weddings, I do a lot of weddings in my job, a lot of weddings, and uh, I mean a lot of weddings. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I've done, you have no, you know, it's not uncommon to do a few hundred weddings a year. I do a lot of weddings. Uh, there's a lot of people getting married here in Williamson County. And I talked to them about the two most important things that Jill and I have learned in marriage. These are two simple truths, and I'll share these with you today. Pretty simple, not very complicated. Number one, you have to be willing to look the love of your life in her eyes or his eyes, and you have to be willing to say, I'm sorry, and I was wrong. Right? You've got to be able to do that. The second truth that I've learned is that when the love of your life looks you in the eyes and say that they're sorry and that they're wrong, you've got to do what I think is the most amazingly complicated thing in life to do. You've got to forgive and to forget. In my uh, courtroom, we have a white marker board about where this is at, Stephen, and I always use the analogy that forgiving and forgetting is like taking it and erasing it and you can't see anything that's there. Matter of fact, when I started, somebody had used a permanent marker and you could kind of see the, you know, the, and it was a bad illustration, so we replaced the board. Because forgiving and forgetting is about wiping it out and just moving on and not an ability to remember. 
Sometimes I think we want to forgive, but we don't want to forget because we want to own it and we want to keep it and we want to think somehow we're in power. But you know, the thing about forgiveness, when we don't release people from that, it can, it can take up about half of our time, half of our energy, half of our space, and it can keep us from using our hands and heart for everything that God wants us to do. So I talked to couples about forgiveness. So how do we forgive? So first of all, there's the responsibility of the forgiver. Number one, you need to analyze the problem and you need to know when to forbear someone and when to forgive someone. All right. Forbear was a word I really struggled with. And uh, I'll give you some examples, but let me read a scripture here that I think is really important. Colossians 3.13 says this. It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Right? So what's the difference between forbearing someone and forgiving someone? So these are analogies I came up with, and if you're not happy with the analogies or they offend you, please forgive me, but these are analogies I came up with. Forbearance is this. And by the way, there's a difference between forbearing someone and forgiving someone. Forbearing someone, for example, let's say you have a habitual pattern of taking a lot of time to get ready on Sundays to come to church, and you cause your spouse to be perhaps tense and uncomfortable because it takes you a lot of time to prep and get to church, right? Now, is that something you need to forgive your significant other for, or is that something you just need to have a little forbearance? Forbearance, right? And so Scott at our house, Jill constantly has to show me forbearance because it takes me so long to get ready. No joke, true story. It takes me longer to get ready on Sundays than it does Jill. And I think part of the reason is, is that I have to be at work every day at a certain time and there's a lot of people waiting on me. So the one day that I can take a little longer working on my hair, that hurts. That's offensive. You need to release it and let it go. That hurt me. I I do that, right? So that's where forbearance is. Let me give you another example of forbearance. Forbearance is you're sitting there eating dinner with a family member, and one family member tends to eat with their mouth open. Now, it can be annoying, but is that something we need to forgive them for? Or is that where forbearance or tolerance should be in place? What would you say? Forbearance or forgiveness? What? Forbearance, right? All right, so let me uh, give you another example. You go into the living room, and they have the remote control. And you know who the they is, not you, right? And you want the remote control. But you know we're watching a chick flick or a home makeover, and the chances of getting a good war action movie are pretty slim, but you slide in there just as good as you can and do the slither. Baby, I love you, and I want to hold your hand. Can I have the remote? And you have to watch what he or she wants to watch. And they don't want to watch what you want to watch. I mean, do you need to forgive them because they like watching Chip and Joy or whatever their names are from Waco? Is that what their names are? What's their name? Chick? Chick? 
Yeah, them. Yes. So is that forbearance or forgiveness? Right? It's forbearance. Guys, do you know the difference between for forbearance and for forgiveness? And by the way, now here's an example of where we need to forgive someone for their sin. Okay? The toilet paper in the bathroom. When you use it up, if you don't put it back on there the right way, that's an example of it's hard to forgive you, right? Or is it an example of forbearance? By the way, do you know when it drifts from forbearance to forgiveness? When we choose to stop loving others unconditionally and we become selfish. And I don't know about you, and this is really a personal indictment against me, but why is it the person we love the most, or the people we love the most, we have the least patience and forbearance with? But yet people we don't even remotely know, we have amazing forbearance and compassion for them. Can anyone explain that to me? Maybe it's just a me thing. Anyway, so that's the difference between forbearance and for forgiveness. And I want you to listen to this. If you don't see the necessity to forbear one another, then you may be living a narcissistic life as it's your way of living and thinking is superior to everyone else's thoughts or beliefs. So the first responsibility for forgiveness is you've got to know the difference between for forbearance and for forgiveness. second thing I want to share with you is this, is you've got to be willing to forgive. I think sometimes we don't want to forgive because we want to own it and keep it for ourselves, right? If you forgive someone, you may actually find out you like someone, Right? You've got to be willing to forgive. Malachi 7.18 says this. Who is a God like you? He's talking about God. You're removing iniquities and passing over rebellion for the remnant of your own inheritance. He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. Guys, aren't we amazed at God's forgiveness for us and how He forgives us? And do we exhibit that forgiveness toward others? And I was thinking this morning about the forbearance and for forgiveness. And in court, um, there are often people in my court that speak different languages. And we use this company called Language Line that translates it. And it could be anything from uh, Swahili to Mandarin Chinese to Spanish to French German uh, or even somebody from like Connecticut. I mean, it could be from any foreign country like that. You'll get that. And if you're from there, please forbear me. But what's interesting is it doesn't always come through in the translation. I mean, they say things that can be perhaps a little off color or perhaps a little off putting, but we seem to have forbearance because we don't understand them, right? 
And we've got a third-party translator doing that for us. Right, Scott? And what's interesting is we have that forbearance for people we don't know from places maybe we've never heard of, but yet the very people we know and love, we don't seem to have that forbearance. Now, I'm going to step off of a, a branch here, and it's dangerous. So forgive me if I don't communicate what's on my heart. I love my wife. We've known each other 34 years. We've been married 32 years. But there are just some times that I don't understand her. And what I've come to learn is that she is a girl and I am a boy. And there are times that she doesn't understand me either. I mean... Men really are from Venus, and women really are from Mars. And what's amazing is we can't live without each other. Isn't that cool how God made that? And what's really confusing to me is sometimes as guys, we don't even know when we've offended anyone. It's not because we're unintelligent. We're just guys. And we don't always understand girls. But yet, I have that same type of forbearance in my courtroom for people that I don't know and that I don't love. But yet, the very person I love the most, on occasion, I can show the least forbearance and kindness to. Just a thought. So if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God, when you release somebody and when you tell him or her that you forgive them, do you walk away in esteem still coming out of your ears? And if so, did you really release them? A last scripture before a few questions. Uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 35 says this. It says, But love your enemies. Do what is good. And lead expecting nothing in return. Let me reread that. But love your enemies. You can't love your enemies unless you forgive your enemies. And you can't forgive your enemies unless you let go. And I'm telling you, it is amazing of you and who you are in your faith when you can love your enemies. Don't answer out loud, but do you have an enemy that you haven't forgiven? Because I'm telling you, the minute you release them and you forgive them, your heart will go from vengeance and anger and whiffs of steam to a heart of pity and compassion for them. But love your enemies and do what is good. I hate that. Expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. What about you? Can you love your enemies? Have you just let go? Now, Charlie, would you help me for a minute? Come up here. Now, we're just playing make-believe, but I needed somebody wise and beautiful that I really respect. 
Have you noticed that I've had this ball in my hand the whole time? Yes. What is it? Come, come a little closer. What do you think this... Tell me why I've been holding it. What is it? Do you know what it is? No. It's a ball. And do you know what this ball represents? Forgiveness. And when we forgive people, we give that forgiveness to that person and they turn around and walk away. Now, you can go sit down and hang on to it and play with it. Is that okay? Thank you for helping me. By the way, Charlie, when I give that away to you, what do I have in my hands? I have nothing. And you know what happens when I have nothing in my hands? I'm not distracted. And nothing's controlling half of who I am. But he's controlling all of who I am. Sometimes we just got to forgive and give it away, don't we? And move on. Right? So thank you. Hang on to that for me. All right, so some last questions I want to ask. These are ten questions that are going to come up here at the end. The liberating power of forgiveness. And here's ten keys to forgiveness. And I'm not preaching and I'm not meddling. I wrote this down from another pastor. And I thought it was brilliant. Okay, ten keys to forgiveness. Number one, you need to let go of the anger. And by the way, maybe that was the anger. Number two, ooh, I love this one. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. Don't be stubborn. Now, let's just have a confession here for a moment. The pastor is not going to look around the room. It's just you and I. Let's, let's make it a public confessional. How many of you would say, Bill, I can be stubborn? Thank you for keeping the lights down low during that, guys. Number three, stop thinking of yourself as the victim. Number four, a liberating power of forgiveness is this. Focus on the future. Number five, I love this one. Relearn to trust. And by the way, for some of you that have been through failed relationships and you hadn't figured out the forgiveness, let me just challenge you in this. You're not going to move forward in future relationships until you learn to retrust others. And maybe learn to retrust God. All right, number six. Be reasonable in your expectations of others. Expect that it will take time to forgive. How quick does forgiveness occur? Not overnight, right, guys? It takes time. Would you agree? Yes? All right. Examine your heart. Number nine. Are you ready for this one? This is the tough one. Let forgiveness become an everyday practice. That's forgiving others, and that may be asking for forgiveness. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to read the tenth one. Then we're going to pray and have two minutes to reflect. You've got to let forgiveness become an everyday practice. Yesterday, I offended someone. I did. I said something that was insensitive and unkind. Does that surprise you that I would do that? I just did. And I realized, gosh, you're teaching a message about forgiveness and you've offended someone. So what was the right thing to do? It was to go to them and say, you know what, I messed up. And I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? And I don't know about you, 
But I know those times in my life when I'm not at my best, when I'm exhausted, when I'm hangry. Anybody with me on that one? Right? There are just times in my life that I'm not at my best. But when you're not at your best, if you want to honor the Lord when you do mess up, own it, admit it, and ask for forgiveness and don't do it again. Let forgiveness become an everyday practice of your life. Listen, forgiveness, I try to make it an everyday practice of my life to forgive others, but also to ask others to forgive me because I just mess up. And I know some of you are perfect, but I am not you. The tenth one. Ten key steps to forgiveness. Keys to forgiveness. Number ten, ask God for guidance. So as we wrap up today, we're going to do something called take two. And that's where you're going to see a countdown on the uh, wall come up um, on the screen. And I just want to ask you a couple of probing questions. Is there somebody you need to forgive? Do you need to make a list of those and just release that and give that to God? Are there some that you need to ask to forgive you? Are there some of you that's struggling with the difference between forbearance and for forgiveness? And maybe you need to talk about that over lunch today with your significant other. What is it? As we take two, look at you, look at who you are. Let us pray together. God, I thank you for this day. And I thank you, O Lord, for teaching me the importance of forgiving others. God, I thank you for for reminding me that I'm a mess up too and that I need to ask others for forgiveness. Lord, help us this day as we look at ourselves and we look at you. Help us to move on, Lord, and start with a clean and a clear heart. We love you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.